everybody. Welcome to Real Church for Real People. You glad to be in church today? Yeah. And take a moment and look in the camera, say a big hello to our Hocassin location. Much love to all of you in Hocassin. So excited about what's happening there. And then to all of you joining us at our online location today, we're very glad you're a part of this as well. Newark, will you help me show some love to everybody at every location? Come on, put your hands together. Yeah. And uh, if you are joining us in person or uh, you're online somewhere uh, in the northern Delaware area, welcome to the land where it's 61 day and snows the next. Uh, God is, is just testing us to make sure we keep a right attitude. Am I right? So very glad you're here. And if you're joining us for the first time at any of our locations, a big welcome to you. We are in week two of a series that we've called Money, Sex, Power. And uh, if you miss week one and you're kind of interested in what the series is about, you can catch that on our YouTube channel. All of the messages in this series, there'll be four of them total by the end of the month. You can watch them there. So if you want to get caught up, uh, you can do that this week. We kicked off the series by saying that if there's something we can all agree on, whatever we believe about God or the Bible, it is that these three things, money, sex, power, can bring a lot of happiness to our lives and to our relationships and misused, they can also bring a world of hurt. You don't have to be a spiritual person uh, to believe that that's true. And so last week we talked about power and the power dynamic in our relationships. Again, you can go back and watch that if you'd like. But today we're going to talk about sex, so happy Valentine's Day in advance. <laughs> Sounded better in my head. All right, so <laughs> when, I, when I started following Jesus... I was 15 and I had tension in my life between my relationship with God and my interest in sex. And I wondered, uh, when I first became a follower of Jesus, I wondered many times, does God care about my desire for sex? Does God care what I feel, what I look at, what I do, what I'm, what I'm dealing with? And I asked those questions a lot because at 15, I would estimate that one out of every four thoughts had something to do with sex. Now, I know preachers have a bad reputation for exaggerating, so let me back up. I don't want to be hyperbolic. It was more like one out of every two thoughts, let's be honest. <laughs> and maybe you've had some of these thoughts or questions, whatever stage of life you're in, maybe you're kind of getting interested in the faith thing, or you know there's something more to your life, that there's something bigger out there, you're trying to discover what that is. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you're trying to make sense of a lot of the voices that are in the world around you and maybe what you read in the Bible or what you experience, what your experience with God has been like. So you wonder, what does God really think about this? What does God really think about sex? Is it the same as what most of what I watch on Netflix thinks? Is it different from that? Is like TikTok right? Is the Bible right? What is, does God really care uh, what I do or don't do sexually? Why would the creator of the universe even have any, any real concern about that? As long as I'm not hurting anyone else, why should God care? And these are important questions. So wherever you land when it comes to church or God, here's what I'd love to ask you to do for the next few minutes. And that is consider the possibility just for today that God does care, but maybe not for the reasons that you think. Maybe there's a reason God cares about this that as simple as it may sound, you've never really stopped to consider it. And I'll talk more about that in a moment, but we're going to look at some words in the New Testament of the Bible, and these are words written to people of faith, okay, written to people who believe in and worship Jesus, so if that's not you today, again, if you're kind of checking this out, 
Uh, you can take a pass on this. In fact, I always like to say, when we talk about this kind of stuff, if you don't consider yourself a Christian, take some notes. Use this to quiz your Christian friends this week. So go to work, go to school this week, be like, hey, was that a church? Pastor talked about sex. Got some questions for you. <laughs> All right, you're welcome to do that. Just give, like, have a little quiz, you know, tell me about your life. Just, I think it'll be, I would love to be a fly on the wall in that conversation. So, but if you're a follower of Jesus, if you'd say, I trusted my life to Jesus, whether you're new to this, been following Jesus for a while, you're going to want to lean in. And heads up, I chose a part of the Bible that has some don'ts in it, okay? So uh, we've done a relationship series every February for several years. I've talked a lot, a lot about uh, God's gift of sexual intimacy and the positive sides of that. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. But I did choose a part of the Bible that you might be a little nervous about because it has some don'ts in it. And we're going to get there. But first, it begins like this. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. My mom used to have a picture of me. I don't know where it is now, but when I, I remember this from a few years ago. She had a picture of me when I was a little kid, maybe three years old, standing in the living room of our house, wearing a pair of my dad's shoes and one of his hats. Now, it's a funny picture because his shoes and his hat are clearly way too big for me at three years old. And that's what makes it endearing. I wanted to be like my dad. I, I dressed up in his clothes because I wanted to be like him. But those were big shoes to fill, especially at three years old. And for all of us who trust in Jesus, this is what we wake up every day desiring, to imitate God in everything we do. We want to become more like our Father in heaven. Why? Because he's a good dad. We want to grow up to be like him. Now, maybe you didn't have the best relationship with your earthly father, but part of what Jesus came to reveal to us is that we have a good Father in heaven and that we should desire to grow up to be like him, to imitate him, to have his attitude, to have his heart, to have his perspective, to share his values. So we want to be like our dad, but how many of us know those are big shoes to fill? I mean, how many of us would say right now, all of our locations, you would just say, man, I'm acing it. I am just like God. How many of us just by a show of hands? Don't raise your hand. Come on. To be like, well, my girlfriend told me I'm a God. That's a different thing. Different thing. All of us are, are a work in progress and we're trying and we're followers of Jesus. We seek to fill these big Shoes, And if you're like me, a lot of days, I still feel like that three-year-old. I'm wearing God's shoes. I'm wearing God's hat. But my character hasn't become large enough and great enough to fill God's clothes. But I'm learning to grow into God's character. It's a process. I'm not there yet. But every day I get up saying, God, would you help me through my relationship with your son, Jesus, through the power of your presence in my life, would you help me be more like you. You say, well, what would it look like if we grew into the character of God? Well, the writer of this book in the New Testament, the, the writer of Ephesians tells us it would look like this. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now, this is the heart of the good news about Jesus. So if you've wondered, like, what is faith? What is Christianity? What is this all about? It's more than just a religion. It's more than just a belief system. It's more than just a box you get to check on a demographic survey. Knowing God through faith in Jesus starts here with the good news of what Jesus did for us. And he offered himself as a sacrifice for us because 
He loved us so much. Now, you may be saying, why do I need a sacrifice? There's a perfect God who created us, and then there's us separated increasingly from that perfect God by all the stuff that is less than God's best for us. All the decisions we've made, the thoughts we've had, the words we've spoken, the relationships that we've entered into dysfunctionally, all of that stuff that all of us have was between us and a perfect God, and Jesus came and said, let me fill that gap. I'm going to offer myself as a sacrifice. Now, if you don't believe that yet, and it's very possible for some of us, you're not ready to buy it. If you don't believe that yet, it makes sense that you wouldn't listen to anything God says about anything. Because the truth is, including your sexual decisions or priorities or habits or belief systems, because the truth is, it's only when we begin to understand who Jesus is and what he did for us that our lives truly begin to change. Religion can't change you. You need an experience with Jesus Christ. A belief system on its own, while valuable, cannot change you. You and I need an experience with Jesus. And when we have that experience with Jesus and we see who he is and what he did for us, something begins to change inside of us and God's love for us becomes the filter for everything we do. We begin to understand, oh, God loves me. God cares about me so much, he gave his son so that I could have a relationship with him. But you might be asking, what does any of that have to do with sex? I'm glad you asked. I hope you are. Let's read the next verse. Let there be a little bit of sexual immorality, a sprinkling of impurity, and a moderate amount of greed among you. Let's read that again. Let there be how much? No sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. So let's pause right here and let's just find out if there is any among us. All right. So if you'd stand, I'm just kidding. All right. Let's, let's keep rolling. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Why? Such sins have no place among God's people. Again, we see right away who this is written to, people who believe in Jesus. It's not a, this is not an accusation toward any of us who don't believe in Jesus yet. This is instruction for all of us who do. So if you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, this isn't talking to you. Now, it is speaking truth into your life, if you're ready to receive it, and that is that these things can hold us back from a relationship with God. But if you don't believe in God yet, that doesn't mean a whole lot. But for all of us who've trusted our lives to Jesus, what this scripture is saying is that part of our response to God's love for us is to remove some things from our lives that no longer fit us, no longer belong in our lives, sexual immorality, impurity, and greed. Now, that's a process. It doesn't all happen overnight, but we have a direction to our lives now. We have this purpose to our lives. We're imitating God, and God is not a God of sexual immorality, impurity, or greed. He's a God of purity. He's a God of generosity. He's a God of faithfulness. So as we imitate God imperfectly, like the shoes are too big, the hat is too big, but as we wake up every day seeking to imitate God, we're removing these things from our lives. Now you might ask, well, why? Is it so we can impress each other, so we can be religious, so we can be good enough? No. Why does God care? Well, remember why we read those first two verses so we could establish this truth. God loves us. God loves us. That's the best news you've ever heard in your life. God loves, because he's, I'm just telling you, he shouldn't. Well, I don't know about you, he should not love me. I know me, God should not be a big fan of Mark Johnson, because I know my life. 
I know all the times that I've thought, said, and done things that are less than God's best for me. There's not a good reason why God should love me if his love is based on my performance. Thankfully, his love is based unconditionally on his character. So he loves us. And watch this. What does that mean? It means that everything God says about sex comes from that, that he loves us. He loves us. It's the only reason he cares about this is because he loves us. And the reason God cares about sex and about our sexuality is because he cares about us. And that's part of our lives. Sex, just like money and power in its purest form, is a gift from God. So let me be very clear. God is not anti-sex. How can you be anti-something you created? It was God's idea. He made, read the book of Genesis, first chapter of the Bible. Sex shows up in the first book of the Bible, in the first few pages of the Bible. God's like, I'm going to make a man, I'm going to make a woman. You know what would be cool? (laughs) And Adam and Eve were like, you know, it is cool. (laughs) That's working for us. We like that. God is not anti-sex. Sex in its purest form is good. It was God's idea to create male and female and for those two people to get together and enjoy their time together. He's not anti-sex. He just knows that sex, and you've experienced this, whatever you believe about God or the Bible, you know this is true. I don't have to convince you of this part. God knows that sex can either have tremendous constructive power to build up intimacy and connection in our lives or tremendous destructive power to tear down our relationships and our integrity. Uh, Think of it this way. In fact, let me give you two word pictures. Here's the first one. God is not anti-fire. Did you know that? He's anti-arson. That's a good way to think about how God thinks about sex. He's not anti-fire. He's just anti-arson. God is a big fan of the kind of fire that warms two people's lives in a covenant committed relationship. He's not a big fan of the kind that burns down relationships and leaves a trail of charred embers in its wake. That doesn't mean he's (laughs) anti-fire. He's just anti-arson. Here, let me give you another one. Before we knew Jesus, here's another way to think of this. Before we knew Jesus, so for all of us who are followers of Jesus, here's what we would say. We would say, looking back, our lives were kind of like a swamp before we knew Jesus. You ever been around a swamp? What is a swamp? It is a body of water that is still and stagnant and settled. It's not really going anywhere. It doesn't really have clear purpose and direction. Um, It has some stuff growing on the surface over time that is not good. It is kind of murky and dark. It is not a place you walk up to and be like, man, let's take a swim. It's kind of gross. It's a swamp. And for a lot of us, we would say, before I found Jesus, I didn't realize it because the swamp was all I knew, right? When I was in the swamp, I wasn't like, this is a swamp. I was like, man, this is awesome. But when I found Jesus and my life began to be purified by God's goodness and love, then I started realizing, man, I got some swampy parts of my life. I don't have to live this way anymore. When we find Jesus, he transforms our life from a swamp to a river. What's the difference? Well, a river is the opposite of a swamp. A river has clear banks and boundaries that contain it and focus it. Why? One reason. It's now going somewhere. It has purpose and direction. When I found Jesus, my life went from being stagnant and still and settled to being a river that is headed somewhere in the purpose of God for me. And so did yours if you're a follower of Jesus. Through Christ, now you have banks and boundaries. You have direction because you're going somewhere. Well, sexual immorality, impurity, and greed, what do they do? Return us to the swamp life. 
So God says, listen, I'm not just trying to be legalistic with you. I'm not trying to take away your fun. I'm trying to remind you that you used to live a life where the water was so murky, you couldn't see a foot in front of your face. I transformed you, gave you direction and purpose. I know sometimes the swamp life is easier because anybody can just sit there and go, anyone who wants to can jump in here. Just fill in the blanks. But God says, I want to give you a life that's a river of life. I want to give you clarity and perception and direction. And I want to build a current of power in your life that allows you to go somewhere good. So if you're a follower of Jesus, let me ask you today, is your approach to sex right now more of a river or a swamp? Your thought life, river or ribbit? Who you're with right now. Is that a river relationship, like God's hands on it, or is it a swamp? It's like, I'm not sure what we're doing, but let's do it again. Everybody okay? <laughs> you glad you came to church? Again, if you're not a Christian, you're like, this is good. I'm taking this to my Christian friends this week. We got some questions. If you're a follower of Jesus, listen, do you have direction from beyond you guiding your decisions? Or are you just self-contained, whatever feels good in the moment? River or swamp? And again, if you don't believe in Jesus, not my place to judge you. And let me apologize for any Christian who has tried to force these values on you instead of just loving you like Christ loves. But what I hope you walk away with today is this, that Jesus loves you and your life could be better with him. And any swampy area that you're getting tired of he can transform by his power. He can give you a river kind of life, direction you've been looking for. So for all of us who call ourselves God's people, sexual immorality and purity have no place among us. Our lives have been transformed from swamps to rivers. Now that doesn't mean we never struggle sexually. It means that we don't continue in sin. If we fall, there's grace to cover us. You know the beautiful thing about a river is that it doesn't turn back and worry about where it lost its place 100 feet ago and just go back and get stuck in this swampy place. No, if it goes the wrong way, it just turns back in the direction God has for it and keeps flowing forward. Can I tell you, whatever your past, God covers it through the grace of Jesus Christ. And he just wants you to get back, headed in the right direction, flowing in the purpose that he has for you. So for all of us who struggled with sexual sin and shame, acknowledging it to God, confessing it to another follower of Jesus, getting open and honest about it, and then turning and heading back in God's direction is key. There is no shame, but don't let your life become swampy again. God has a greater purpose for you. Get in healthy, non-sexual relationships. Get in community with other followers of Jesus. Put God's word in your life. Begin practicing what we call a slot and spot, a time and place in your day where you bring all of your life, your relationships, your decisions before God, and you say, God, would you help me imitate you in the way I live my life today? You can have direction. You can have purpose. Why do so many of us struggle with sexual stuff? Single, young, old, married, divorced, because we're searching for intimacy and connection. We all are. It's hardwired into us. I am, you are. And intimacy and connection can be difficult to find. And they can require work to sustain. And they can require patience to pursue. So what do so many of us do so often? We settle for the swamp life. It's all we know. And so we're like, man, I would love to be a river. 
but I just don't, it seems too hard. It's, I just don't know how to do that. And so I'm gonna settle. So we settle for fake sex on a screen. That's fake sex. It's not real, it doesn't fill us with intimacy or connection. It just, it just causes us to want more and more and more and it's never enough. And we need, we need an even greater thrill. We, we settle for cheap sex without commitment. And we pretend we like it for a while. We get emptier and emptier inside. We settle for secret sex outside of a commitment we've made to another person. And we're, we're divided internally. And it matters to God. You know why? Because we matter to God. And he doesn't want to see his children who are yearning for intimacy and connection settle for a swamp. He wants to give us a river of life and the real intimacy and connection we desire cannot be found in the swamps we settle for, but only in that river of life. Through Jesus, we can find direction for our lives. We can channel our energy into what will bring us purpose and fulfillment rather than emptiness and shame, like a river. God doesn't want us to be ashamed of our sexual desires. He wants us to submit them to him. He wants us to say, just like every area of our life, God, I am not the God of these. You are. You guide me. You direct me. You help me channel my energy in a way that's gonna make a difference, in a way that's pleasing to you. And when we realize that, and we realize how much God loves us, we learn to replace our old habits and priorities and desires with a new life. And here's what this new life looks like. I love this. Instead, so let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. God says, I want you to live the kind of life that you can be grateful for. I want my children to live the kind of life they can be grateful for. Now, gratitude is such a big deal that in March, we're gonna do a whole series called Gratitude Adjustment. I'm so excited about it. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna help you if you've ever struggled like I have to be grateful. I'm not always grateful, but I'm learning that the more grateful I am, the closer I get to God. And there's something about it. We're gonna talk about it in March. But for today, what I love about these words is that God doesn't just tell us don't. Did you know that don'ts without do's overwhelm us with shame? Some of us, that's our only exposure to religion. We just heard don't. You wanna be a Christian? Don't. Don't. Don't watch that. Don't go there. Don't say that. Don't look at that. Did you think that? Don't. That's all we know. We're like, don't. Like, Jesus is the don't guy. That's all we know. And if you live in a don't, legalistic, religious kind of expression toward God, it will overwhelm you with shame. The enemy of our faith loves for us to stay stuck in don't. Don't, 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 don't. God says, no, don't, just don't. Do. What's the instead? He gives us instead. He says, now that you've removed some things from your life that have no place in your life anymore, now you can fill your life back up with what? With thankfulness to him. Can I just shoot straight? I have never looked back on some of my swampier sexual thoughts and decisions in life and been thankful. I bet you haven't either. I bet you have not looked back. Come on, just be honest. You have not looked back and been like, I'm so glad I hooked up with them. be honest. I've never looked back at when I didn't have Jesus as Lord of my thought life or Lord of my eyes, Lord of my desires. I'd be like, oh, I'm so thankful. I was so swampy. It was awesome. Never felt that way. But the more I get to know God, the more I do life with Jesus, the more thankful I become and the more I grow into the Father's 
choose. Gratitude is the key to this healthy life. When we remove those old things, we replace them with the powerful current of gratitude in the river of our lives. Can I just tell you that one of the best things I can do, I've learned to keep my marriage healthy and faithful, is not just make sure I don't cheat on my wife. I've been married almost 25 years, same person the whole time. And I've learned, you know, I don't wake up every day going, don't commit adultery. Come on, white knuckle it. You can get through three hours. No. I wake up every day going, God, thank you for my wife. She's wonderful. She's amazing. I love her. And by the way, you say, oh, you always feel that? No, sometimes I feel it. Sometimes I faith it because I'm a follower of Jesus. So I don't let my feelings lead, I let my faith lead. And my feelings have a way of catching up with my faith, not vice versa. Some of us need to hear that today because you've been letting your feelings decide what your faith is. But if you put your faith in charge, your feelings will eventually catch up. So I'm grateful for my wife and that keeps my marriage healthy and pure. And by the way, I know my wife is grateful for me. I'm telling you, I just know it. You say, how do you know? I just know. I just know. I think there are times I imagine, like, I'm still asleep. She wakes up, looks over at me. And she's like, oh, God, I just can't believe it. He's so amazing. So amazing. I just know it. I know it. I'm grateful. Instead, I don't replace adultery with white knuckling. I replace it with gratitude, thankfulness to God. Don't replace porn with beating yourself up over what you used to do and what you used to look at. Replace it with gratitude to God. Don't replace broken relationships with more broken relationships. Replace them with gratitude to God. If you're single or divorced, what would it look like for you to genuinely be thankful to God for this season of your life? Just like the guy who wrote this part of the Bible, by the way. To say, God, I may not like the way things have worked out so far. I may have pictured my life differently, but I thank you for the way you are working in me. And I thank you that I have this season when I can devote all my energy and my attention to knowing you and making a difference. Help me be a river. Help me be a river. Maybe you've wondered if you'd ever find someone. What would it look like for you to be thankful to God in the meantime? And join a J group, because we have a lot of great wedding stories as a result. But what would it look like for you to be thankful to God in the meantime. Thankfulness is like the current in our river. Gratitude gives us power to stay headed in God's direction. We are all searching for intimacy and connection. Here's what God says. I'd like you to start with me. That's what he says to all of us. He's not trying to deprive us. He's saying, I would like you to start with me. If you'll start your search for intimacy and connection, God says with me, then you'll find that I can provide what you're looking for and I'll give you this river life. Here's the last part. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. In other words, sex is good with the light on. And in this case, the light that's on is the presence of Jesus in our lives. You ever been in a dark room and someone flipped on the light? It's overwhelming at first, right? And you might feel that way right now. 
Maybe you're new to this. Maybe you're thinking, man, this is really bright. Like, I don't know if I can live this it's so blunt. My eyes hurt. Yeah, you're used to the darkness. At first, when someone turns on the light, it makes your eyes hurt. But then you begin to see everything you've been missing. I, I had no idea that God had that for me. I had no idea that God wanted this for me. I had no idea that I didn't have to settle for a swamp relationship. I had no idea I didn't have to settle for the darkness I'd known. Now the light reveals what we've been missing. And when it comes to sex, the light of Jesus within us produces thoughts, desires, expressions, and relationships that are good and right and true that reflect the love of God for us. No text to delete. No histories to manage. No regrets to be navigated. Purity, clarity, direction, purpose. The devotion of our energy to what will actually be fruitful and productive in our lives. And the reason this matters so much is simple. It's because God loves us. And everything he says about sex comes from that. So if you don't believe that, this will never make sense to you. It'll always feel oppressive. It'll always feel restrictive. But when you get that, this clicks. And the desire of God for all of us is that we would live that river life. That was very sudden. (laughs) So how do we apply this? The series is about hidden hacks for succeeding in our relationships. So listen closely. If you're new to church, I'm so glad you're here. Let me be very clear about something. Your next step is not to fix your sex life or any part of your life. Listen, it's so important. Your next step is to get to know Jesus. So just come back. Not sure what you believe yet. I don't want to be presumptuous, and I don't, I'm not trying to force anything, all right? But there's, for some of you, there's probably this little tension inside because you, you don't know what you believe yet, but you feel something. Something got you here. And some part of you is going, there's a God who created me. If I could know him, things would be different in my life. So I'm encouraging you, just come back. Come back next weekend. See what God does in your life. If you're a Christian, but your approach to sex is kind of swampy right now, no shame. You are looking for intimacy and connection. We all are. No shame. Come to Plugged In. Let us help you get connected in a group of people doing life together. Go in the direction that you want to go. Will it solve all your problems? No. But it'll give you an environment where you can have healthy relationships, river relationships. And you know what you'll experience when you get honest about what you're struggling with and dealing with? You'll experience a lot, of, a lot of me too. And you'll find strength and encouragement and support. Some of you, 
are exhausted because you know Jesus, but you're living a double life. That's not an accusation. I say that out of compassion. You're exhausted because you try to be river-like on Sunday, and you're a swamp on Monday, and you're a pond on Tuesday, and you're a creek on Wednesday. And by Thursday, you're like, I just got to get back to church this weekend and figure out what I believe. You're exhausted. What if you just became a river? What if you just gave your whole life over to Jesus? I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about surrender. And you begin to do life with Christ and with others. Listen, whether you're single, married, divorced, engaged, dating, young, middle-aged, older, you don't have to stay stuck in a swamp of shame. Your life can have purpose and direction and hope. And you'd be surprised how many people around you are on that journey too. And then finally, if you're a follower of Jesus who wants to imitate God and you're living your life for Jesus, but some days you feel a little like a three-year-old wearing your dad's shoes and hat, it's okay. I feel you. Keep growing. Let me tell you something. Changed my life a few years ago, continues to change my life. I used to think that the desires I had needed to be like stifled. Anybody just know what I'm talking about? Like, just, I just gotta keep it down. Keep it together. My life began to change when I realized that I had energy and I was always going to have more desire than opportunity to fulfill that desire in this world, in this life. You tracking with me? So when I began to say, Jesus, you know what? Instead of resenting and regretting all this energy and desire I have, what would it look like if I gave it all to you? Just think about that. What would it look like if I didn't have time to do this because I was so fulfilled by serving you over here? What would it look like if that got less and less attractive because your purpose for my life became more and more clear? What would it look like? I think it would look like a river. And for all of us, here's what I want us to remember. God loves you. God loves you. Say, that's just a cliche. It's just some stubborn part of you kicking back against a love you've never known before and you're afraid of. I'm telling you, God loves you. You can't even fathom it. You can't even imagine it. The creator of the universe unconditionally, sacrificially loves you. Everything he says about sex comes from that. Your biggest question isn't what does God really think about sex? Does God really care about sex? Your biggest question is does God really care about me? And the answer is a resounding yes. And that's why I want you to get closer to Jesus because when you do, you'll realize that he cares about everything in your life. What hurts you, what worries you, what distracts you, what encourages you, what strengthens you, what guides you. When you get closer to Jesus, you'll realize that God loves you. And that everything he says about everything comes from that. And if you would say today, you know what? I want the river life. I want my life to have purpose and direction, all of our locations. If you would say, I want that, would you just shoot your hand up? Just hold it up high and hokas it, hold it up high. Online, you can join in this right where you are. It's just an act of, of surrender to God. Jesus, we love and honor you today. You're the one who gives us the strength to be like our Father in heaven. We can't do it on our own. We need you. 
God, we bring, we bring it all to you. Come on, would you do that with me right now if you're a follower of Jesus? God, I bring it all to you. Bring my life to you. Bring my relationships to you. Bring my thoughts to you. Bring my search history to you. I bring my priorities to you. I bring my desires to you. No shame. I don't come groveling up to you like I don't deserve love. I know I don't deserve it, but I've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. I've been made new. I'm a new person. I just come to you and I lay it all at your feet today. And I ask you to give me the river life. Give me direction. Give me clarity. Help me have the courage to step out of the swamp. Come on, some of us even right now are making some decisions. I'm going to get honest with somebody. I'm going I'm to have a conversation. I'm going to do something differently in my life. By the grace of God, I'm stepping out of the swamp and into the river. Do your work among us, we pray, as we seek after you. For all of you in the room or watching online right now that you don't have a real relationship with God yet, listen. God loves you more than you can fathom. So much that he gave his son so that you could have a relationship with him. And God has a better life in mind for you. I don't just mean better on the outside. I mean he has a life in mind for you where you're transformed on the inside where you know the God who created you and your life begins to have purpose and meaning. And that begins when you trust your life to Jesus. So if God's drawing you to him and you wanna take that step today, I'm gonna lead us in prayer one more time. I want everyone to join me. Just open your heart up big to God. If that's you today at all of our locations, you would say, I wanna begin a relationship with God right where you are. Whisper out a prayer of faith, something like this. Jesus, today, I give my life to you. I believe in you. I believe you died for my sins. You are leader and Lord of my life from this moment on. I'm gonna follow you. And if that's you, while everyone around you stays focused on God, if you would say, I wanna be included in that prayer, will you lift your hand, just hold it up high. If you would say, I'm putting my faith in Jesus today. Come on, lift it up boldly. You're in Newark, Hocus, and lift it up high. If you're watching online, type the word faith in the comments. Let us know you're taking that step. And then everybody together, come on, let's do this. Let's give Jesus all.